apotheosizing for like that. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Star Sport Podcast. I'm Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. On today's show we'll be joined by the latest in a long line of Skibbereen rowing siblings when twins Jake and Finton McCarthy stop by for a wide-ranging chat about their goals over the next 18 months. We will also chat to Jeremy McCarthy, who was at the Baltimore Road on Sunday to see Dunmanway Town beat Benny the Hob on penalties to clinch the West Cork League Premier Division title in dramatic circumstances. But Kieran, let's not bury the lead any further. We were joined in studio yesterday by Skibbereen rowers Jake and Finton McCarthy, and you had an incredibly enjoyable chat with the two lads. For our listeners who aren't 100% familiar with their story, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the two lads? Yeah, Jake and Finton, two twins um, from from, a- from Affidown. Two twins as opposed to two triplets. There are two twins who are the same age, which okay. is, uh, there's, a, there's a story in that. But they're from Affidown, which is the same parish that Gary and Paul O'Donovan are from, and Dominic Casey, their coach. So Affidown is a is a superb breeding ground for, for, for rowers over the last couple of years. So... Basically, Jake and Finton are—they're the latest line, I think, in the in the success story that is Skibbereen Rowing Club. Um, that the, the Rowing Club has been very lucky over the years. It had the Coakley brothers, Eugene and Richard, going back into into the noughties who rowed for Ireland at the Olympics. Obviously, we all know Gary and Paula Donovan's story: Olympic silver medalists and current world champions. Now we have Jake and Finton McCarthy, who are chasing down Gary and Paul, which is what makes this story all the more intriguing, Jack. Um, as we all know, next year's Olympics, 2020, Gary and Paula Donovan want to go there and they want to qualify the boat this year and they want to go win gold. But two skib lads, Jake and Finton, want to get in that boat too. So it's an incredible position to be in. We have four skibbereen lads battling for two places in the one boat. And I even think for, for Gary and Paul to have that competition is absolutely fantastic, especially in the year that it is. It's an Olympic kind of qualification year. So um, they have trials coming up in, in, a, in, in a couple of weeks, so it'll be very interesting there. But Jake and Finton have come up through the ranks at Skibbereen Rowing Club. They've, they've rowed um, um, under 23 worlds. They've the, been at senior worlds. Um, they're very much on an upward trajectory. At, the, at a recent um, international regatta in Italy a couple of weeks ago, I won't even try to pronounce the name because I, I can't, um, they, they won bronze there and they finished behind, I think it was the Belgians and the Italians who finished just behind Gary and Paul in last year's world final. So um, great stuff, they have, a, they have a great story, two really, really nice lads. Um, so without further ado, Jack, I think it's time to hear from the two boys. Skibbereen Rowing Club is obviously synonymous with rowing brothers over the years. There was Gary and Paul O'Donovan, of course. They were world champions and Olympic silver medalists back in 2016. But before them, we had the Coakley brothers, Richard and, and Eugene, who themselves were, were Olympians. Um, and now we have Jake and Finton McCarthy, um, who, like the O'Donovans and the Coakleys, are a powerful combination in, in the lightweight double. But lads, even advantage over the rest of them, you're twins, you're power by twin power. So if, before we even get started, I think the big question is, who who arrived first? Who's who's the oldest? Well, Jake's the oldest <laughs> by minutes, isn't it? 
a minute and 20 seconds, I think. Something like that, yeah. So Jake, you first, but I suppose I was the first on the rowing scene. Um, Yeah, like we'd done a bit in primary school and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Do you know the school's programme? We were at Kilcoso. We, uh, fifth and sixth class, I think we did a bit of rowing and summer camps too. Mm -hmm. And then there was kind of a lull after that. I didn't really pick it up again then until 2012, I think it was. So I was in second or third year mm-hmm. um, yeah I think I just at first it was just a way to keep in touch with like my primary school friends because I went to school so they were obviously all in yeah. skibbering so yeah it just started out that way and then kind of just never gave it up you followed 12 months after wasn't it you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. I basically used it as a, a tool to get fitter for soccer and football because mm-hmm. I was really really into them beforehand and um, so yeah I just started doing rowing for some extra training um, is what it began as and obviously I, I really like the competitiveness of it and I just got kind of more and more hooked into the sport and then and then actually decided to give up the other two for the rowing in the end when, yeah. when, when Fintan was rowing for those 12 months first were you very interested to kind of see what he was up to like what was it about it in the kind of that kind of drew you in well I was always kind of I always had training you know and Finn was just yeah. at home all the whole time so when he started kind of training you know every day because yeah. you wouldn't obviously train every day with like soccer and football really um, so I was kind of like oh wh- what's this about like why does he need to why does he need to go training every day like you know and then so I kind of just got an interest in that way just to see you know the discipline that was involved in it and um, it kind of just went from there really it's, fa- it's fair to say too and I think you've mentioned in interviews that Finton you're the sporty one Oh no, sorry, Jake. No, Jake sorry, Jake. Yeah, you're the sporty yeah, one, yeah. Jake, aren't you? Kind of it's sportier than me, are right. Yeah. And what was that? Was that soccer, football, everything around here? Was it? Uh, basically, yeah. Um, soccer and football, really. Mm. Yeah, I was just really into that before I took up rowing. And rowing was was always it was always just rowing for you. Did you ever play soccer, football, no, any no. other sports? Like under ten, oh, and I was terrible. So, yeah. So is it's it, it's like the typical rowing story, like no coordination with with the, with a football and stuff. This that. Pretty much <laughs> fair to say that, yeah. Um, yeah, just nothing ever materialised from any of those sports for me, really. <laughs> like, I didn't do anything, to be honest, between, I'd say, the end of the end of primary school and, yes, until I started rowing. And, like, unless you're in PE, obviously, but, yeah, nothing. And when did you start to realise then that Jesus were quite good at this, that they were able to move fast on, on the water? I don't know, was there really, like, an exact moment that we thought? I kind of, it was just that we were improving, we were getting better and better, you know, as the months went on, as we were training more, and, but like, when you start out, you can only do a set amount of training, and as you kind of get fitter and physiologically better, you're able to handle an increased training volume, which in turn makes you, you know, that bit better. Um, So I think it was kind of a gradual... A gradual process, like, you know, we'd see our 2K times getting better on the rowing machine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, was there a really a set? Mm. Like, time. the thing is as well, especially in Skibbereen, it's like, the, everyone who's come before you has done, like, unreal things. So, yeah. you win a national championship and it's great, but mm. it's not like, oh, wow, you're amazing, you're a national champion, because there's, like, Olympic champions, world champions, so... Yeah, it's just like you. It's good to have them as a benchmark as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can see. Oh, I'm 
the same speed as this person was this year. So it's kind of, it's good that way. You can... Is it kind of fair to say too the way that Gary and Paul used to speak about kind of kind of looking up to Eugene and Richard Coakley kind of they were the benchmark for them and Gary and Paul and obviously the Emerald and Shane when they were younger they were chasing them but when you came along then were you kind of looking up to Gary and Paul in almost the same way kind of you were chasing them in a similar in a similar way yeah um, I remember when I first started yeah they were um, uh, I think the year after I started Paul was Paul won bronze in the under-23s in single and Gary and Shane were in the double so we'd be training I was in a quad at that stage I think a junior quad and we'd be training with them during the summer so yeah it was good uh, th- yeah it was that kind of way we were trying to beat them in the quad they were in the double Do you know, so we were just training with them that way so yeah chasing them I suppose you could say Have they shown us very maybe attainable is, is the wrong word but like they're they're world champions Olympic silver medalists but like you do the same tr- kind of training programme you follow the same routine have you have they kind of shown to you like there's a path here right to the top if we keep doing what we're doing there's nothing to stop us well touch wood mm. kind yeah. of going going, going, <laughs> a, going a long way yeah yeah like I think as well when you like every I've, I'm finding anyway every year um, that I'm every year longer that I'm in the sport I'm finding more knowledge about myself and about what works for me training wise and what you know there's different training plans that we set out with Dominic Mm -hmm. and look to see what we can improve physiologically and technically and um, basically you have so you do a training block you have a trials or you have a race or whatever and you can see if you perform well you like obviously you can say oh it's down to this training there's a whole lot of other factors to come into play but you can just kind of have confidence in something that you've done from past experience um so and you might use that again you know going forward because it's worked for you in the past so that kind of way you're basically just getting more knowledge um but to answer your question as well i think yeah it's good that we know that it works kind of mm-hmm. like you're you can really yeah. you get behind it and believe in what you're doing and that it's going to make you <coughs> good because it has seen so many good results in the past mm-hmm. it always interests me with rowing because it's such a mentally and physically demanding sport how do you keep coming back year after year after year because it is it's one of the hardest sports yeah. there is and I don't think people appreciate yeah. how how mentally no, even yeah. physically tough it is so it's very tough yeah. so why why come back why why roll I don't know it's, <laughs> it's questionable really like yeah. I'd say every rower to be honest asks themselves the question as well because like yeah. if you'd see articles you know with GA players like complaining and saying oh we train so hard you know like four times a week we train four <laughs> yeah. times a week every week and you're just looking at it like oh my god um, but I think it's just I'd say you could just say we're kind of addicted to it you become addicted to it you know yeah. and if you have a day off you're kind of just like oh I don't feel great here. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of like a lump. Why am I going to... So I'd say it's partially an addiction, really. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the the buzz of racing as well kind of lures you back and makes all the long miles kind of worth it in the end. So, What is a typical typical week saw training at the moment? Well, to be honest, I haven't done too much the past few weeks because we've mm-hmm. had exams. But before that, we were on camp in Italy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we did... It just a ridiculous amount we were 
upwards of like 260 kilometers a week on the water um but i suppose you split that into like 13 14 probably 13 sessions a week mm-hmm. and then uh, that's including uh, two two weight sessions i think we were doing as well and then sometimes we do three weight sessions sometimes we do two so yeah about 13 sessions a week Jesus, tough going and yeah. as well because I kind of mentioned earlier you're lightweight rowers so you have to kind of it's the 70 kg average in, in, in the lightweight yeah. double how do you keep your weight down or do you have to you know, kind of kind of manage your weight because over the winter I know it could go up a couple of kgs yeah, and yeah. then when it comes into the season then you, you bring it back down like do you watch what you eat have you strict diet or mm-hmm. are, are the two of you pretty handy in kind of keeping it close to that 70 that magical 70 mark yeah well uh, I suppose yeah to be honest we don't fluctuate too much away from it really like yeah the heaviest we'd be is probably 74 so oh, yeah. you'd be 75 sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and I'd be a bit lighter than that then so like we kind of sit around that for the winter and mm-hmm. it's not too hard to lose you know the last couple of kg during the summer now there are some people that do struggle but yeah I don't think we have many problems with it really no like if we say we wanted to eat like a ton of calories we'd match that by doing a ton of training yeah. you know? so oh, yeah, like yeah. we'd be burning it off and then yeah. as you come into racing season you're doing less training so you don't need to eat as much yeah. to fuel yourself mm-hmm. so you kind of gradually come down that way and then you just kind of sweat if you need to the last yeah. bit of it which is always doable you know are you allowed some treat foods like a sneaky pizza now and again or is it very oh, much yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I'd say when we're not you know too close to competition we yeah. can we can eat more or less what we want, really, because yeah. we're doing so much training. It's just the volume, yeah. You're just burning yeah. so many calories that you need you need the food, really. Yeah. You need to make sure that you're f- fueling for those long sessions. And then, yeah, as Jake said, coming into racing, if you're tapering down and resting, you don't need to eat as much. Mm-hmm. So you get, yeah, it's just nat- natural, really. Now, I mentioned Gary and Paul earlier, and obviously Eugene and Richard. But the fact you're brothers, does it make it easier to kind of roll together? Because I presume there's no filter there. If if one of you's not happy with the other, I presume it doesn't. There's there's no holding back as such. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely no holding back. Anyway, you hear a lot of people kind of comment on it. They would hear us. Yeah. They're not necessarily even on the river, but they hear us if they're on land and hear us shouting on the river. Um, but we just think it's normal. We're just like, oh, yeah, that's what we do every day, you know. Yeah, it's um, funny. They'd be like kind of nearly taken aback or shocked by it, and we obviously don't think any of it and then they'd be like oh lads you're killing each other today on the river and it's like a normal day for us but yeah we don't really take we don't really take ourselves too seriously that way we just give out to each other and then it'll be fine after is there one of you more vocal than the other or is there one of you more cranky than the other i put it that way I'd say I have more volume (laughs) but Finn Finn has more you know uh, got punishers <laughs> <laughs> the low blows <laughs> but, but the fact the fact you are brothers like kind of how much does that help in a boat in, in terms of like same size body composition styles and so on kind of like putting the filters and to the side for yeah. a moment how much does it help the fact that you are with twins I suppose even yeah. even better again does it or um, or is it, does, does that have a benefit or I'd say I'd say it probably does really because say if we're rowing someone with someone that's really tall they might have different settings in the boat to us. Mm-hmm. So we basically just hopped in the boat and we were more or less the same, you know, our, yeah. our angles that we were going through, the drive phase of the stroke was kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, it, does ha- it does. It's just kind of easier that way that there's not too much that we need to 
there's not too many yeah. different settings mm-hmm. in the boat whereas if you have a tall person and a short person in the boat you need to change like um, we call it the span it's like the distance between the, the two gates of the oars if you're sculling or yeah. you know just technical stuff yeah. like that and height like handle height and mm-hmm. foot height and mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole load of settings in the boat that would need to be changed yeah. if there was like people of two different heights rowing. But you're obviously as well like Gary and Paul and Eugene and Richard before. You're you're lightweight rowers and you're you're in the lightweight double. What is it about the double that you like? Oh, to be honest, I think it's just because it's the only Olympic class boat mm-hmm. left now. Yeah. Um, that's why we've kind of gravitated towards that. We were in the quad last year. Because the lads were in the double, and that was enjoyable. Like, yeah, yeah. If, like if that was at the Olympics, we'd have no problem, you know, going mm-hmm, to yeah. that. But obviously, the double is the only one at the Olympics, and that's that's kind of the the pinnacle of mm-hmm. the sport. So that's obviously what we're going to be trying for, you know. Is 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 that the big goal at some point? You hope, like for like all rowers here in Skip, like you'd love to get to, to become Olympians, like five five hundred before. You'd love to add your names to that list. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Is 2020 too soon, or is that, is, is that a target? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, to be honest, it is a target. Like, mm-hmm. you always feel kind of stupid saying it, because it's such, like, when, when you take a step back and look at it, it is a big goal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose it is would be the target, all right, yeah. We'll just see how, you know, the season goes. Mm-hmm. Um, see how the trials go in the end of June. And we're, we have to trial, you know, on a monthly basis, so even if... There is a boat that is going to this year's World Champs. You know, that's not necessarily the boat that will be mm-hmm. at the Olympic Games next year. So I think, yeah, just keep keep training away and see see where it goes. But yeah, it will be a target. Because you've been on a fantastic kind of upward curve and upward trajectory the last couple of years. And even this year so far, you got a super bronze, wasn't it, over in Italy there a couple, yeah, of, couple the of weeks ago? Yeah. And then you had a, a win at the, the Skip Regatta there yeah. two weeks ago. So you're definitely kind of moving in the right direction. So are you very happy with where you are right now kind of and and the momentum you have behind you yeah I think we've made good progress this year mm-hmm. alright um, we came fifth at the under-23s last year which was a bit disappointing because uh, we kind of fancied ourselves to do a bit better there but yeah this was, that's just what happens but um, yeah I think we've, we have made some pretty good progress this year yeah. like we're both a lot stronger and fitter than ever before so mm-hmm. And then we were close enough to the Italians and the Belgians and mm-hmm. Pedluco, who would have been like the uh, silver and bronze medalists from the world's last year behind the lads. So, yeah, I think we're just, we just try to keep taking steps in the right direction. Um, yeah, and we've Europeans then coming up at the end yeah. of the month, so that'll be a good test again. What is the plan so for this year? Kind of like, you know, the final trials are still, there's still a, a small bit away, kind of, do you know what regattas you're going to go to yet in terms of World Cup regattas or the Europeans or do you know what the plan is or um, not really I think what we know at the moment is that we'll be going to European Championships in the double mm-hmm. and that's at the end of the month Yeah. Um, so I pr- assume that is a result there might have a bearing on mm-hmm. um, the regattas that come later on but at the moment all we kind of know is the Europeans and then we have the trials which will probably um, then Decide the both decide. the world champs, yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you're going to the Europeans in the double, isn't that a great chance for you to almost lay down a marker yeah. or such, you know, kind oh, of definitely, yeah, yeah. kind of is that the hope to go over there, pull out a few big performances and yeah. and go as well as you can? Yeah, um 
we'll see what we can do. Like, I think previously we've been really results focused. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, we've got to go and win the thing. So I think this time we're going to try to take a different approach and just focus on, you know, getting through each round and doing the races as best we can and mm-hmm. see, does that give us a better result in the end? Mm. So, yeah, like obviously we want to go and win it, but... Yeah. It is a big step up, you know, from yeah. under 23 to senior level. Mm-hmm. And this year, more so than other years, every country is going to be putting their two best guys mm-hmm. in the double um, because this is qualifying year. Mm-hmm. So this is a vital year for every country going forward for the Olympic Games. So, yeah, I think we'll just take the different approach of going as fast as we can. And, you know, we'll be happy in if we come second last and give the best race that we've ever given for, you know, as opposed to... But I don't think we'd be happy with that. <laughs> so you know what I mean. You'd be, you'd be confident that you've done the best you can. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. like like you said, Jake, it's Olympic qualification year, and you wanted to get to the Olympics, and it's the lightweight double. But there's a small matter of Gary and Paul are the two current <laughs> mints. Yeah. They're sitting in that boat at the moment, and they yeah. are the world lightweight double champions. But yeah. But but that's your target. Like you want to compete against Gary and Paul to try and get into the to to, to win one of those two seats. Yeah, well, I think if you, like, obviously, if you want to be the best in the world, Mm -hmm. then you have to beat everyone, like, in other countries and in your own country, Mm -hmm. so it's just the same as every other country, really, I think, Mm -hmm. except it's just that the standard is that high, so Mm -hmm. it's good that way, in that you know, like, if you're in it, you're going to have a pretty good chance of Mm -hmm. doing really well, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's good. And it probably helps, too, that you're you're, you're training with... Some of the best athletes in the world, like people, yeah, that roars, you know, who oh, yeah. who are world champions, like and like you said, you're going to be at a certain level in to kind of kind of match them. So mm. that's that's a positive too. Yeah, yeah, it's good that way. Um, we do a lot of training where we compare. Um, so you, we call it prognostics. So mm-hmm. it's looking at our times based on uh, world best times or gold medal yeah. standard times. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a percentage of gold medal time, then you can compare that to say, the likes of Gary and Paul or Sunita or, mm. you know, Mark and Shane, they're world champions, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of know you're going well or if you're not going well, just comparing those. So, yeah. Isn't it incredible, again, that the Skibbering Rowing Club, another two top athletes going forward, two top rowers, and like I said, Mark and Shane, world champions, kind of Gary and Paul and world champions, Denise, European silver medalist, and yeah. even going back to the generations before. And yet here we are, another two rowers kind of, touch wood trying to kind of to make their mark in the world scene and I suppose a lot of that comes back to Dominic Casey so what's he must, he must be pretty excited about the year ahead and the potential because he's so many local skip athletes kind of vying for those those positions so yeah I think he's pretty confident that um, specifically for the double whatever four athletes do make it at the end of the day have a really good chance of a medal um, so I think he's pretty excited about that yeah. and also you know his other little projects that he has going on with the women's double and yeah. so um, yeah I think he's he's excited for the year ahead yeah. if, if only one of you got into the boat how would the other feel kind of if it's, if it's splitting up the twins like kind of mm. would there I know you'd wish each other the best of luck but it would be like oh jeez I wish that was me um, to an extent I think yeah, yeah. like um, you it's kind of funny in that when I think about it now, that is the how the way I'd feel. But mm-hmm. you know, after after a race, you kind of have to be kind of congratulating and mm-hmm. being. You you have a sense of you know, 
fair enough you're you're actually the faster um person so i'd say it wouldn't be wouldn't be that bad at the end of the day yeah. like you, you have respect for the other person you yeah. know because you're training you're training just as hard as them mm-hmm. and they at the end of the day they're faster mm-hmm. so how competitive are you with each other kind of what's the what's what's oh. what's, what's the rivalry like well it's a lot of banter as well um i don't know it's been more banter really um, I don't know. You were too happy there when I beat you the other day. So I thought coming out now. <laughs> I had, it was after exams. So it's just, yeah, it's just we are competitive. I'd say yeah. yeah, but it's good. It's good to have that. I think you, you yeah. said your exams. So are you in college? What are you studying? And where are you? Well, I've just finished. Um, I was doing physiology in UCC, mm-hmm. so I've just finished up my four years there. So and yeah, I was doing economics in UCC, so I finished that this year as well. We we were in final year this yeah. year, so we're we're done college now. That's, that's the yeah. kind of big bad world kind of is the is that been put to the side for the moment? We're just concentrating on our own and then. Yeah. yeah, I think the plan is next year take a year out mm-hmm. uh, from college and studies and focus on rowing uh, because this might be you know the last Olympics for lightweights. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we kind of just thought you know put all the eggs in one basket for this next year and see how we go so we don't have any regrets going forward you know then we can worry about the working life after that (laughs) (laughs) you've actually preempted one of my final questions it's about the fact that next year will be well it could be the last year that there is lightweight rowing in the olympics at the moment there is that one boat for for men the the, the men's double so what is the plan have you even looked past that kind of like would you ever take a stepping up kind of like mark mark and shane did or or are you um uh, yeah, I was, I've been thinking about this recently. It's just, it's hard to know now how, obviously, how you're going to feel down the line. Obviously, like, we love rowing. Mm-hmm. I'd probably keep rowing for the rest of my life if I could. But, yeah, it is it is a difficult transition. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, the, the heavyweights are just so powerful and tall. But then you do see, like, the lads are pretty close especially at the world championships to the heavyweight double you know like a final standard at least yeah. so yeah it, it would be yeah it would be a difficult transition i think but yeah i suppose you just don't really know how you're gonna feel after just depending on like what happens really i suppose hopefully lightweight stays you know, yeah for another cycle <laughs> i was gonna say like it's lightweight rowing like it's been like ireland it's been such a good sport to ireland over the years yeah. going back to all the olympics back to 2004 did the lightweight four in the final and yeah kind of four years later richard coakley was in it was in the b final there and obviously gary and paul back in 2016 won in the lightweight double like it's been such a fantastic kind of i suppose avenue for irish rowers and it'd be such a shame to lose the lightweight rowing yeah it? yeah definitely yeah it's been especially in the history of skibbereen you know yeah it's been such a big thing mm-hmm. um but you the bigger picture is that you know the ioc don't want it there and mm-hmm. i think each country gets a vote on it is is that i'm not really sure of that how it works um but yeah obviously for definitely this country it'd be a big loss yeah. um for the scene for the sporting scene in mm-hmm. the country but yeah but you're hopefully if it does vote next year that you're hoping that you're there for the yeah. for, for its final swung song that's, that's the that's the that's the big thing anyway. that's the goal so mm-hmm. next couple of weeks so europeans after that then it's final trials and then kind of just see what happens is it yeah um so i think the final trials will decide the 
Lighter men's double and the lighter men's single. Mm-hmm. So there'll be four of us for three seats. So yeah. I suppose, yeah, one of us is going to be mm-hmm. disappointed, but that's just the way it goes. I suppose there's only three positions. So And it's probably important to know too, and I could be wrong here, but let's say that all going well, the light, Irish lightweight double qualifies at this year's World Championships. But that's the boat that qualifies. But the personnel yeah. can change up up to next year. So yeah. even whatever whatever two qualify the boat in August September last year this year, it, it can all change. Still, there's still a chance to kind of to get to next year's Olympics. So which yeah. is which is yeah. good too, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely good for you know the fact that we have to keep training mm-hmm. to and be on form to get in back in the boat. You know, I think there's no you can't really back off the training as such because yeah. you might lose your place so it's good for motivation for you know to stay on the horse and keep going up until Tokyo no, brilliant Jake Finton thank you so much for coming Cheers, in thanks. and best of luck for the season ahead and best of luck for the Europeans too thanks. Cheers. thanks Kieran thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award winning sports section that is everything a sports fan in West Cork could want Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. On Sunday afternoon last at the Baltimore Road, new West Cork League Premier Division champions were crowned when Dunmanway Town beat Ballydehob on penalties in an unlikely playoff for the league title. And earlier on, Kieran Carthope with soccer correspondent Jer McCarty, who was at the game. We're joined now by our resident soccer expert, Jer McCarty, to have a chat about uh, the 2019 West Cork League Premier Division uh, playoff final, Jer. Um, it was on in Skibbereen on Sunday. The Menway Town and Belly the Hob were both involved. And considering how tight the title race was and how little there was between the best teams in the league this year, I suppose it's no surprise that it went all the way to penalties before the Menway Town came out on top. Yeah, it's not really when you think about it because um, the the two they played each other twice in the Premier Division this year and drawn with each other, so there was there was nothing between them coming into it. Um, it was expected to be tight, it was expected to be tense, but it was actually considering it was nil all, it was actually quite a, a quality, a high quality game. Um, and considering the, like there's a huge crowd there, uh, which is fantastic to see. Great setting in Skibreen as well. Pitch was in immaculate condition. So credit to Skib and Ollie again, uh, Skib AFC for having it in such good nick. Um, and like there was a game just before it as well, the, the under 18 cup final, which was won by Lawyer, which was a very, very a good quality. So two good games. Maybe not the goal mode action you'd be hoping for, but understandable in the circumstances. But I think over the course of what has been, I mean, in the week that was in it across the water and things that were happening in the Champions League and in the Premier League on Sunday as well. Um, the West Cork League had, had equal drama in that it went went the full 90 minutes, it went to extra time and it went down to penalties. And it took, I was delighted for Stephen Daly, the Dunmanway goalkeeper, um, because in their final game against, second, in their last game against Drina, um, it's not that he played badly, but like uh, Drina, like Drina got a, a pretty fortunate goal to get the draw and take, uh, make Dunmanway have to go to a playoff with Ballady Hobb. But he made a fantastic save in the penalty shootout. And then Mark Buckley, um, who has served that club for a long, long time at schoolboys level and is back playing with them again, stepped up and stuck it away. And like the contrast in the elation and the excitement and the delight and relief for Dunmanway was one thing, but your heart would go out to Ballady Hobb, to Mike Helen and to huge crowd that came out to support them as well. 
last Sunday. I mean, Ballady Hobb have been the reason that the three-way run for the title this year between Drina, Ballady Hobb and Dunmanway, they've contributed hugely. Um, it's great to see them back at the top end of the table, but they were they were just broken-hearted at the end. And my hope, my real hope, is that they stick together and come back again next year. Because if they do, I think we are, with Doris coming up, and with Clantone and with Lawyer and Clan AFC looking to kind of rebuild again next year, we could be in for another cracking Premier Division title race, even better than this year. But at the end of it, fair play to Dunmanway. They've, uh, John Buckley, Andrew Healy have done huge amount of work behind the scenes. Their players have been brilliant all the way through the year and they just about deserved it, I think. Considering considering the defending champions, Drina Rangers, did not lose a game and Drina still managed to hold off Paddy Hopper and win the title, I, I think they just about deserved it over the season. I suppose for John Buckley there, like you said, Dunmanway town manager, also a Liverpool supporter who wasn't cheering things didn't work out too well for him. He's been up in Liverpool across the water on Sunday, but they would a lot better for, for Dunmanway. And like you said, Jor, they are deserving champions. You know, It's been such a tight and epic title race mm-hmm. here in the West Cork League Premier Division. And for Dunmanway to come out on top against, over the Finland champions, Drina Rangers, and then a very, very, very good Valley the Hub team. Like Dunmanway, are, they are deserving champs, aren't they? They are, and I think I think the beauty of their team this year compared to other years, with the greatest respect, a lot of players have retired over the last couple of years, great stalwarts that have helped them and kept them going. But what Dunmanway had this year was they had a mixture of pace and experience. And at the back, Stephen Cahan and Stephen O'Donovan were outstanding. Their goalkeeper, Stephen Daly, was a real bonus for them this year throughout the season. And then you've got the likes of Mark Buckley, you've got Barry O'Donovan, you've Cahal Daly, you've Cahal O'Donovan. What they had this year was they had the legs to run for the full 90 minutes and beyond, where in other seasons, with the greatest respect, they may not have had that. Um, Drina have always been a kind of thorn in their side, but they managed to hold them off this year. And I think I think the fact that they didn't lose to Drina that last day in Mahona, when they were down a goal with about a quarter of an hour to go, they had to score to keep themselves in the title race. The fact that they managed to bounce back and get that goal, you could see the difference in the confidence levels this year compared compared to a couple of years. Now, they won it a couple of years ago, but compared to last year, definitely. And I think John and I think Andrew have done an awful lot of work with them and set them up properly. Um, they've had players coming in and out. They've had players, you know, but they've always had enough within their squad to feel the strong team week in, week out. And you need to do that. You take one look at Ballady Hub, you take one look at Drina. It's no coincidence that the teams at the top are the ones with a bit of depth and the ones with subs that can come on and change the game at different times. But it was it was an it was it was a great year for West Cork League football to have such a really really good and quality title race. There was nothing in any of the games that we covered which you would have read in the Southern Star. Don't you? There was nobody pulling away from anybody at any stage of the season. And if you're Drina, I mean, you know, well, you, you finish the season. It's like Liverpool a little bit. You do just about everything, but you still not enough to get over the line in the end. And the fact that that will boost them now to come back next year again, even stronger, should make for hopefully an even more exciting title race. Like you said there, it's been an exceptional season for, for the West Cork League and it's not over yet. And there's one or two games left in the cup, cup competitions. But if you look at it as a whole, with the men with town winning the Premier Division title, Doris winning three trophies, including the championship title, Togar Celtic winning the Beamish Cup for the first time in 22 years. Great season for West Cork soccer, Joe. Yeah, and like we were covering it in the in the Southern Star. I mean, there's just the drama of the Beamish Cup final day and the outpouring of emotion for a team, a rural team like Tor, who've been knocking on the door for so many years. That will live with me forever because it was just lovely to see them do it and to beat Drina and again a team that had been 
a thorn in their side for an awful long time. It's not that they didn't respect him but or, or, or feared him, but they always respected him. That was huge for Tor, and that would boost them because they'll want to crack off the league now next year. They weren't that far away. It's only the last five or six weeks they kind of drifted off a little bit. And then, as you said, between Dunmanway winning the league, between Tor winning the cup, um, and all the things that go with it this year with the West Cork League, having a title race always just it builds interest. It keeps people, you know, it, it attracts a lot more people, a lot more eyeballs to it, which is good for the long term future of it, um, of the division of 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 soccer in West Cork. Um, but I th- I think what struck me this year compared to the other years I've been reporting on it is the quality of the games at the top end, like Ballady Hob in the cup, and I covered them a couple of times for for the Southern Star. They were very very good. It was Toher ended their ended their cup run on the way to winning the cup. And again, like with Drina and with Dunmanway. And then you have the fairy tale. I mean, I, I we wrote about it last week in the Star. Has there ever been a team promoted to the Premier Division better suited and better prepared than Doris? Because whatever about the momentum that was behind Dunmanway and Ballady Hub, I'm telling you, next year, Doris, having spoken and interviewed Tygo Sullivan on a couple of occasions, the manager, they are not coming up to make up the numbers. They are coming up. To, they're, they're not saying they're going to be title challengers just yet. I wouldn't rule it out. But I think they're a team to watch again next year. And more often than not, you see the likes of Spartak, Mosgrove and Lawyer coming up. They struggle for maybe a year before they find their feet. Not with Doris. Doris will hit the ground running next year. And they are, like, with the amount of trophies they won, with the crowds that they attracted as well. Again, another rural club looking to make, to push on like Ballady Hub, keep it all going like Tor. Um, you know, it's important for them that they're attracting positive headlines. It's important that they're getting people behind the scenes, getting involved with the club to keep it all going because it's a huge commitment. It has been probably one of the best years, I suppose, for stories and for narratives. I don't think we've ever had a year like it in the West Cork League. And as you said, it isn't finished yet. But um, hopefully the league will, will, will build on it again next year and we'll have even more headlines to, uh, to report on. We'll have a break, obviously, now with the West Cork League coming, coming to the end very, very soon. But like we still have soccer over over the summer period. Last time we talked, we talked about the school by soccer moving to its summer calendar. But since then, there's been developments elsewhere. Jar, is it the with the Dublin District League? Is it kind of that they are opting out of summer soccer? So, what does that mean, I suppose, for West Cork's decision to go to the summer soccer route in the first place? And what does it mean for the overall experiment of summer soccer? That's a very good question. Well, what where we are at the moment is that in 2020 the rule was, according to the Schoolboys Federation, SFAI, Schoolboys FAI of Ireland, they visited every Schoolboys League last year, including West Cork, and said in 2020 everyone is moving to a new calendar season, and that being you can start your league no earlier than March and finish it no later in November. So you're pretty much playing through to most of the summer. And um, prior to that. Donegal, Clare and Dublin were picked as three pilot schoolboys leagues. Uh, the DDSL, Clare and Donegal, for three years, they piloted this idea of playing through the of playing through those summer months. It it was very difficult at starting all three, but in Clare and Donegal, it has proven a success. They have record numbers playing now, and they they can prove that. Dublin, unfortunately, over the last couple of weeks, in the midst of an awful lot of off-field shenanigans with the FAI that we don't have time to get into. Dublin have always been a law unto themselves, in my opinion. That's my opinion now. That's not the Southern Stars or the West Coast Schoolboys Leagues. They, um, they they look after the biggest number of players, fair enough. And they also have the most dealings, I think, with cross-channel clubs. So there's an awful lot of, to be fair to them, there is an awful lot of ex- external factors um, which might be you know, impinging on this idea. But they have come out in recent weeks and said now that they are not going to change, that they're going to stick with the traditional September to May which is what the West Coast Schoolboys League always did. So where are we currently? And I'm hearing, I'm hearing, but it's not confirmed, 
that the Cork School Boys League um, are likely to follow, are likely to do the exact same. So what does that mean? It means that West Cork has already moved this year. They've started, they've already, the leagues are up and running as you read in the Southern Star week in, week out. They've started in April with the idea of finishing before November so that they'd be ready for next year when everybody moved. But what we're seeing now is that there is uncertainty in the SFAI about what happens next. So I do know from speaking to people in the West Coast School Boys League circles, they've asked for direction. They've asked for advice and they've gone to the SFAI and said, look, we started. If everyone else isn't moving, what do you want us to do? What are we supposed to do? Should we stop? Should we keep going? So there's a lot of uncertainty. But for now, the West Cork School Boys League will continue with their March, November for 2019 until they're told otherwise. Has it been easy? No. And I've been on social media quite a lot defending the decision, getting behind the idea of what is known as summer soccer for all the reasons that we went over in the last podcast. But what I'm hearing from parents in West Cork, and let's be honest about it, I'm being fair here down the line, is it's proving hugely problematic because the guys and the girls that want to play soccer have hurling, football, training and matches the same week. And it's stretching parents and it's stretching players maybe than they, they wouldn't have normally been used to at very young ages, 12, 13, 14. Will it sort itself out? It may do. Will the West Coast School Boys League be forced to backtrack? Not backtrack, sorry, but will they be forced under the new SFAI ruling if they ever come out and make one that they're to restart in September and go through the winter months? The honest answer at the moment is I don't know. Um, until there is better direction and better ruling from the SFAI, something that hasn't been there in the past, West Cork is just going to keep going for now. And I guess that's the message to give the parents and players. We carry on as we have. We started in March. We're going to continue until we're told otherwise. Um, it's unfortunate because when there had been so much talk, so many years leading into this, I firmly believe in it. I firmly believe in good weather, good pitches, opportunity to play midweek if you can play at the weekend. But if we're forced to go back to the September, May timeframe that we've always used before, we'll wait and see. But at the moment, the West Cork School Boys League continues as before, but it is waiting for official guidance from the SFAI to make a ruling on all of this. But it's an unholy mess, Kieran. It's an unholy mess at the top. West mm-hmm. Cork is just doing what, it th- what they think is best for the West Cork players, and they'll keep doing that until they're told otherwise. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. Now, Kieran, we've gone fairly long on today's show with those chats with Jake and Finton and with Joe McCarthy, all the McCarthys, including yourself, on this week's show, which is uh, nice to see, I suppose. So we won't go too much longer, but I'm expecting a pretty solid sports section this week. The summer is really starting to hit its on, just not its not its peak quite yet. But we're we're on the we're in, we're closer to kind of the peak of summer. Sun, sea, and football. Yeah. Sun, sea, and football. Um, so um, what, what, what's it? What's in this week's paper? Um, plenty of McCarthy's, which is fantastic to have. You can you can never have too many McCarthy's. My mother always told me. Um, no good sports <laughs> section again this week, Jack. We have a special feature on the Cork Ladies Football Conveyor Belt. It's just off the back of the recent um, Cork Ladies winning the Division One Football League title. So we're just looking a small bit closer 
at the, all the players that have come off the, the minor football teams in the last four or five years. So we talked to John Cleary, the Cork minor boss, about that. Um, we've spoken to Cork Camogie manager Paddy Murray about what he feels is the need for change to the rules of of, of the game and that these changes need to, need to be brought in now, like not wait till next year, bring them in now. Of course, we've done Memory Town's fantastic West Cork League Premier Division title win. It's a mouthful, isn't it? The West Cork League Premier Division. They couldn't call it the West Cork Premier League. That's anyway, that's beside the point. That's one for the powers that be in West Cork soccer. Jack has spoken. So the West Cork Premier League, is it? Yeah, yeah. good work, good work. Um, we've, uh, the Cork ladies won in the Camogie semi-final. Like I said, all the local GAA action. Um, yeah, there's something for everyone again in this week's sports section. So go out Thursday morning, pick it up, and you will not be disappointed. And I'll say it again, as I say every week, if you can't make it to a shop... You can buy the Southern Star online for less than two euros per week. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read that on your phone, your iPad, your tablet, your desktop computer if some people still use those. That's, that's great value, Jack. That's less than a magnum. You know, you think we'll come into the summer now when people will overindulge in magnums. Like you can read the Southern Star for less than a magnum. Well, on the topic of magnums then, since you've brought it up, what would be your favourite one-off ice cream, say, not if you're buying a tub in a supermarket, if you're just going into the local petrol station, you're filling up the car, the fridge catches your eye, you say, hmm, 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 what's, what's in there? What would you go for? Would it be magnum? Would that be no, your no, wait, no. ice cream of choice? Or would you be more thrifty? And go for something along the lines of a gully bar or a chalk ice. It depends Save on, yourself that extra one euro. It depends on which kinds of my pocket, but I love a loop-de-loop. Oh my God, you cannot beat a loop-de-loop. An Especially the first layer with the, with the chocolate on top. Oh my God. But then you're keeping the line till the bottom and it's just not. It's a, it's a treat and it's value for money. Value for money. How would you eat it? Would you eat the chocolate around, like nibble it like a little hamster and then when the chocolate's all gone, then you eat the yellow bit? I would, yeah. I'd start with the chocolate first. I yeah, would. just like... That's that's an image though that I'm not going to I'm not going to forget. No, I would yet. Yeah, but look, anyone who's listened to this who's ever eaten a loop to loop will relate oh, to that. That's how everyone eats it. And a super split wasn't bad before, but just like it's like chocolate bars in general and all all sweets, they're getting smaller, smaller and more expensive. That's exactly inflation. It. That's it. Super splits were a personal favourite of mine as well. You can still get like um, a kind of a box of knockoff super splits in Aldi or Lidl or any supermarket show. We're not sponsored by anybody. If any of them would like to sponsor us, but you oh can, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 in the box of Mister Freezes. It'd <laughs> love a box of Mister Freezes in here in the star kind of. Speaking of which, I haven't seen Mister Freezes in many shops around West Cork over the last few weeks. So if any sh- person knows any yeah. shops out there selling the old school Mister Freezes, oh, yeah. let us know, please. Yeah, put a messages on a postcard. The search is on for Mister Freeze in West Cork. Uh, yeah, and just one more question before we go from a listener. Um, so from ice creams to something even more popular potentially, which is of course HBO series Game of Thrones, which has uh, caught the world by storm, in particular the latest season. Like it was always popular, but really and truly I've never seen anything quite like it. And we're going to give off no spoilers here because... I know some people probably aren't up to date with it. I don't even watch it, but I do follow all the hashtag content online. And uh, Kieran is a big fan. He actually dresses up 
as a character every Friday in work when he's going home for the weekend. Um, may or not be true. May or may not be true. But I dress up as a dragon, Jack. A dragon. <laughs> the Battle of Winterfell. Oh yes, was uh, quite Sup- a controversial episode a few weeks back. Superb. Uh, so superb. So you're in the camp that did enjoy. It. But my question to you is: Did you find the fact that it was filmed in natural light difficult to follow, or did you think it was artistically worthwhile? I thought it was brilliant. It was realistic to what it was. I think, I think what's happened to Game of Thrones over the years, um, people we've been spoiled by it, you know. Kind of, it's just it was absolutely superb. Like that was fifty-five nights of shooting. I think it, it it took them to create the Battle of Winterfell. It was eighty-two minutes long. Just I'm really showing the stats here now, but ah, it was absolutely superb. It was a, it, it was dark, but that was part of the mystique of it. I think you know you were kind of struggling to make out what was going on, and that kind of added to the anarchy of of, of the episode and stuff and. No, absolutely brilliant. I couldn't fault it. But I haven't seen the latest episode, which was episode five. I won't see it till Wednesday night. So I'm staying off all Twitter, Facebook, and all such social media channels, just in case there's spiders anywhere. So well, there you have it. This man knows his Game of Thrones. That's it, thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm steady because I haven't seen the last episode. Yeah, so but then you're meant to wrap us up. That's your uh, your role in this. That's my role. And in his double act. <laughs> double act. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. So if you enjoy these shoes... <laughs> if you enjoy these shoes... I don't think anyone enjoys those shoes. No, those shoes, are, they're absolutely cat. But our viewers can't see them, which, which, is a, which is a good thing. So if you enjoy these shows, then please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher or wherever you listen to the show. Over and out. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork.